Motels and beer on the Lone Highway. That's very true. Well, we are here at the second hour of the Scorpio International Holding Company, LLC, here on the Republic Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Dave Scorpio. And in this hour, I am bringing on a man who I consider to be a friend and a world-class researcher and just uh, a good guy all around, to be honest. And that would be none other than Mr. Daryl Wayne. Daryl, how are you, man? How's it going? I'm, 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 uh, I got picked up on the Lone Highway, and uh, <clears throat> I'm along for the ride. The uh, didn't we didn't you and I do something about cheap beer and cheap hotels one on Lone Highway? No, that was that was cheap hotels and good whiskey. That's what we did. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. It was it was a cheap hotel and some damn good whiskey. <laughs> and I, I Irish whiskey, as it were. And if you don't like Tullamore Dew, I got nothing more to say. Eh, Tullamore Dew. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, man, what a what an invigorating first hour. I mean, uh, you know, we were gonna we were gonna continue our our discussion about this this boring word called corporations, but you know, I was listening to this and it just this whole conversation just runs right smack smack dab in the middle of corporations. But uh, you know, uh, I, I I just can't. I just can't pass this up, you know. Uh, the the lady in the last hour was talking about the national prayer breakfast, and uh, <clears throat> really the only thing I got to say about that is uh, go to Proverbs twenty eight, verse nine, and uh, th- he didn't hear their prayers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> their prayers went unheard. Of course, that just depends on which God they were praying to, doesn't it? Uh, yes, uh, I think they were praying I to Mammon. <laughs> that would be that would be their corporate God, Mammon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 
and uh, the sacrament of usury. <laughs> usury yeah, is the a holy sacrament, sacrament of usury and compound interest. The holy sacrament of usury. And and we're laughing, but it's absolutely true. It it it, it really it's is. Absolutely uh, true. Yes, that yeah. that's what makes it all go around. Um, and um, you know the corporate control. You know, I was gonna. I didn't get to it. I was gonna play this clip of you know when Mark Zuckerberg appeared before Congress, and they they love this little dog and pony show where the member of Congress gets really tough with the guy that they're, hey, we're going to really hold your feet to the fire. I represent the American people here, that kind of thing. And you know, they made Mark Zuckerberg apologize to some people. And what was interesting, this is what I think you'll find interesting, uh, Daryl, is that at one point, uh, Senator Tom Cotton was saying, well, Mr. Zuckerberg, aren't you going to take personal responsibility for what your company has done? Are you going to pay these families some money out of your bank account? You're a billionaire after all. Are you going to take personal responsibility? And the obvious answer is no. That's the whole point of having a corporation. You get to hide behind the corporation. There is no personal responsibility. Well, well I mean, you you couldn't have made a better analysis of that. If uh, there, That's exactly right. That's just, you know, how, and, and Tom Cotton knows that. I mean, he... he what, this is a dog and pony show where they go up, they trot him up there, and they burn his bagels, right? But <laughs> yeah. it's uh, uh, but but you know the the gefilte fish is just fine on the inside, you know they uh, they they this is just uh, more theater uh, for you, uh, much like uh, much like Rand Paul going after uh, Antonio Fauci, you know that's just that's just there to get you agitated and excited and. And the pretense of hope and something called justice, but that justice never occurs, and it, it can't when you're dealing with a corporation. Corporations are never corporations never receive justice. Well, I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, you can find a corporation, and of course, that's just passed on to uh, their consumer or wherever they they have their income stream from, but. The individuals that make up that commune, commune of the corporation, uh, you're exactly right, Dave. They they don't experience any personal consequences. I mean, who went to who went to uh, jail after uh, that chemical company killed uh, thousands of people in Bhopal, India, back in the back in the eighties? Was you know they didn't. Nobody got. Nobody went to jail. You no, know, there see, was just a fine, see, as you said, and, and yeah. what that comes down to is just uh, a cost of doing business. You you have to give the state uh, a little uh, a little you know envelope under the table to keep going, and, um, and, and as you pointed out, that cost is just um, passed on to the consumer, of course. Well, see, this is a beautiful thing about a corporation is it allows uh, this the the mask. This, this entity called the corporation. It's also known as a person. Corporations are persons, too. Mitt Romney will tell you uh, over and over again that, you know, corporations are people, too, are persons. And, well, and they and, have the right to free speech, uh, also. Well, they have the right to superior speech. Uh, you, you know, they, they exercise their, their speech uh, way beyond, exponentially, I mean, geometrically beyond the capabilities of any one individual. Uh, 
right? I mean, you know, how many individuals, how many individuals have the the reach and uh, assets of a corporation in order to exercise their free speech? So it's not it's not it's not equal. They don't have equal rights. Corporations don't have equal rights. They have superior rights. And and the individuals can't be punished. Well, if you're a criminal, what could be better? What better way to go straight, as, uh, as they said in the mob, you know, go legit, is to have a corporation where you can conduct crime, receive immunities and privileges, do, do some legal payoff, a campaign contribution or whatever you want to call it, and then go about your merry way. You know, this is this is the ultimate public-private partnership that allows corporations to do things that, uh, on the surface, you know, governments would never be allowed to do, or, for that matter, individuals. So we have this really interesting, you know, super person. It's a super person, you know, and... Uh, you know, this, this all fits in quite tightly, uh, with, uh, what you were talking about in the first hour. And I, I think we can kind of go down that path. You know, the, you know, you started out the conversation was talking about, you know, World War Three. Well, you know, that's, that's been cooking for a while. You know, it just doesn't all, <laughs> you know, that's, that's hard for the American, American mind is sort of, uh, you know, uh, focus their mind on is that they they say, well, the the war started on this day. Well, no, no, wars start years ahead of that. They have to be logistics. They had to be planned for. You have to get everybody in the right state of mind. You have to get them programmed and conditioned uh, to the inevitable eventualities of uh, well, we're going to have to do something. And uh, so. We've, we've been in World War III for quite some time, but I, I don't really like to call it World War III. I, uh, I have a different name for it, Dave. I call it, uh, I call it World War Jew. <laughs> yeah. And because that's what it is. It's World War Jew. Yeah. And it has been. World War Jew is, is it, it really started with the beginning of World War One. That was world war jew and everything that's gone on since then has been about world war jew it's just an ongoing ongoing continuation of progressive revolutionary conquest of of the planet and uh, nations and people and cultures and ideologies and and the uh, interestingly the instrument the mechanism for which they were able to do this so profoundly undercover is corporations allowed that to happen and did you know Dave that the United Nations is a corporation yes did you know that yes okay and 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull something out here that, you know, pe- a lot of people, including me over the years, you know, when I was more naive and gullible than I am now, I'm a cynic now, I guess, um, would have 
heard the statement that, well, you know, the United States, through the State Department, has signed a, and the Senate has ratified a treaty with the United Nations. A treaty with the United Nations. And, you know, and as outrageous as that is, is that even possible? Dave? To ratify a treaty a with treaty. the United Nations? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. I guess um, that's a very good question. You know, legally speaking, they can do whatever they want. If they pass a a mandate or a a so-called law, then, uh, yeah, I think they can do it. But is it actually uh, lawful? Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, that's a a good answer because I hit you you blind on that one. Well, criminally speaking... They could they could say they did it, but here's here's the interesting part. Under under the law of nations, uh, which has been actionable law for since the Treaty of Westphalia, that's a long time. Uh, uh, nation states, uh, if that's what it is, can only sign a treaty with another nation state. Hmm. It, oh, you can, yes. You yes. can. You can only treaty with another nation state. Treaty. Okay. But now, now we're dealing with congenital liars, and they love to use semantics. Of course, that's when you're dealing with Semites, you're dealing with semantics, and s- semantics is another way of saying equivocations. <laughs> and uh, so they. Uh, they, they don't have treaties with them. They have agreements. Now, are, are agreements binding like a treaty? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? So, they, they have agreements. Well, who, who makes agreements with each other's contracts? Agreement would be a contract then, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, so... So, the uh, United Nations is a corporation. Oh, you mean that the United States government, bipartisan, by the way, bipartisan, Republican and, and Democrat, they made an agreement with the United Nations about their relationship and power balance and jurisdiction and interdependence with them. They made a corporate agreement. They didn't make a nation-state treaty. And and this is literally flown under the radar of all these genius lawyers and analysis and analytics and, and wonderful, brilliant people that talk on these matters. And they never, never figured this out. Huh. I don't know. Well, I, I guess they, I, I guess they, they didn't do a, a thorough research. Now, there was one man who did uh, figure this out all the way back in 1969. That's where I learned it from, and Dr. John Coleman. Now you know him, right? Dave? Oh, sure. Yeah, the Committee of Three Hundred. He also wrote a book uh, called The Tavistock Institute of Human Relations in yes. 1969. 
which uh, up until recently it was hard to get a hold of, but somebody's uh, reprinted it. <clears throat> I highly recommend that book to anybody who wants to sort of figure out how they've gotten into everybody's head. <laughs> he he does he does a really good job of explaining it. But he, he points out that, uh, you know, 20 years later, you know, uh, from 48 up till 69, that, you know, uh, nations can't sign treaties with non-nation entities. But they can corporate, they can make agreements with corporations. And under, under Title 28, USC Title 28, 3002, you know, anybody's got a keyboard in front of you, go type it in your search engine. Title 28, USC Title 28, 3002, United States, not the United States of America. United States is a corporation. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me ask wow. you this, uh, Daryl. In practical terms, what is the difference if they sign a contract versus a treaty? Like, what? How does that translate into rubber meets the road, or as you like to say, the cornbread version? What, what's how, how? How does that pan out? Well, it it pans out that they can they can legally see, legally say that they, as the government, are bound that corporation is bound, but then. Does that does their does their contract apply to you? That's where people have to uh, uh, distinguish uh, who they are. Uh, is is that is this thing? You know, this applies in every direction. If if you work or if you're a member of Walmart and they go into debt, or they have well, they don't have debt. They got a lot of money. What? <laughs> just take any corporation. If they have debt and you work there, are you responsible for their debt? Not yet. No, no. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not that we know of. Yeah. But if you are if you are a U.S. citizen and the United States government has uh, <laughs> you know lowballing it thirty four trillion dollars in in debt, are you responsible for that? Well, well, yeah, yeah, you are. Now, why is that? It, shouldn't that corporation be responsible for its own debt? Well, uh, that's a great point, Daryl. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, we we sort of got a little bit away from uh, you know what you were talking about, but that's 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 where people have to decide: am I am I a part of their corporation? Uh, if if you want to be, well, then that's fine. But if you don't want to be, then I would I would say that uh, you you uh, uh, reconsider uh, who your allegiance is to, or is your allegiance to America or the United States government? Is if you if you actually think that America, the country, the land, and the people are the same thing as the U.S. government, you're you're confused. Of course, this, they've confused you intentionally. They want you to conflate the idea that that the United States, the United States, and and America are the same thing. The United States, that that the government, the government, the thing called government, is the United States of America, and it's not. It's complete. It's a corporation. Okay, and uh, I think that 
Uh, it's bankrupt. <laughs> Pretty sure of that. And here comes a break. Yes, I, I would say it is bankrupt. And we'll get into this deeper after the break. It's an odious debt that cannot be repaid. It's impossible. And they know it. at black masses evil minds that plot destruction sorcerer of death's construction in the fields of bodies burning I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you've definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, 
and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. In a Gata de Vida back, and we're here on Republic Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Dave Scorpio, and we are having a conversation with Mr. Daryl Wayne, talking about corporations and contracts versus treaties and the, what the differences are. So, uh, Daryl, um, where do you want to continue with this, uh, with the contract versus okay. treaty? Well, I I would like to think our first half hour was kind of like corporations, contract, and World War II because they're all the same. That, that's a good uh, title for a it's, book, actually, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it would be maybe it, even a T-shirt. Maybe we should start corporations, with contracts, and World uh, War II. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so <clears throat> you know, just. Just kind of follow along off your first hour. So, you know, we actually have continuity here in the conversation. So, so here's a, here's a, uh, a uh, rhetorical question. You know, when you're reducing the population, do you need food? Uh, uh, no, not as much. You need a, you need a, if you're, if you're depopulating, uh, or, or trying to and, and re- reduce the viability of a population, reduce their food intake. Here's a, I mean, here's a really good question for, you know, it's kind of like low hanging fruit. You know, um, why did the federal government after the Civil War and its Plains Indian nations have a policy of the total destruction of the bison herds? Why, why did they do that, Dave? Ah, uh, yes, food. Availability of food. Yep. The Indians used it for food, shelter, and weapons. Yeah. Well, that's what you see now. Now, now uh, everybody talks about Bill Gates and his his food uh, confis- or, you know, purchasing of land, vast tracts of uh, tillable farmland, and his agri-industry inroads in to industrial farming and then and then this synthetic food production factory food production that you talked about is it bill gates doing that or is that just the face that you're supposed to look at it's not him it's the corporations his corporations the right corporations and, as, as are we, doing that. It, and as we both pointed out uh, you know 
these people who supposedly are billionaires, uh, they're actors, they're the front man for the corporations and or, or this club, whatever you want to call it, and the money is recycled back into charitable trusts, charitable foundations, and the club itself upon the death of uh, the individual. Because e- even Bill Gates has publicly said, by the time I'm dead, most of my money will have been spent from the charitable trusts. So that's very convenient. Yeah. So are, are foundations and NGOs corporations? Yes, they are. Yeah, well, more, more protection, right? That these, these, they can do things that others can't do. So I'm going to read you something here. Comes out of uh, very hard to find. Very hard to find. Here it comes. And I'll do it after the music. Yes, we're on the final break, guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. 
First are right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next are beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames. Eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. And uh, Daryl, you know, you covered earlier that corporations have not only free speech, but super free speech because they can actually buy time on major networks to get their uh, free speech out there, unlike you or me. And um, they uh, are not accountable. The the individuals inside a corporation are, are not accountable. I'd like to add one other thing that corporations can do that I think is pretty significant. They can own other corporations they can own many many other corporations like slaves human beings cannot own other human beings anymore uh but corporations can well that would uh under the uh under the so-called constitution that would be in violation of the uh, 13th amendment then wouldn't it Hmm. (laughs) I, i i i guess they're just super extra special so uh, good point, Dave. Extremely good point. This is this is why it's so much fun to hang out with you, and even better when you come over, come out to here in Alabama and hang out. Um, oh yeah. So I'm going to throw a name at you. You may have heard. You may not have heard. It's a guy by the name of Samuel Pizar. P I S A R. Ever heard of that name? No, I have not. Well, let me give you a quick rundown. He's the youngest surviving Jewish uh, of the of the uh, Nazi uh, persecution of Jews. Uh, his uh, you might know him. He was his his son was in the news recently. His stepson was recently in the news. His stepson's name is Anthony Blinken. You heard that name? Oh yes, yes. Okay, now I know where you're, who you're talking about. Yes, and his whole Holocaust story. Has been proven to be fake uh, just by looking up the actual positions of the troops he claims picked him up in the tank. With, and this, the whole thing was just a made-up story, clearly. Yeah. Well, he was – if you if you go to go to Wikipedia, you know, or any place and kind of look it up, you'll find it. Samuel Pizar was an attorney. And, of course, since he was a Jewish attorney, he, that means he was brilliant. You always got to throw that in, that he was yes. a brilliant attorney. And uh, so in the, in the 1960s, he's, he's even working in, you know, as a Holocaust survivor, he's actually working for the uh, administration of JFK in, in 62 as a young man. And he's a lawyer. 
and he married Anthony Blinken's mom, and they adopt Anthony, and and he's a lawyer, but he he represents corporations. He's his primary people that he represents is corporations and high uh, high profile individuals. And here here are two of his uh, uh, clients that he represented: uh, Robert Maxwell. Uh, 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 spy, espionage, entrepreneur, and the father of Gislaine, Gislaine Maxwell. Uh, another one of his high-profile uh, <clears throat> customers was uh, Leslie Wexner of Mega Group, which nobody talks about anymore. Type in Mega Group. Uh, Leslie Wexner and Robert Maxwell. Uh, combined for an intersection that points directly at honey traps and blackmail operations with uh, this guy named Jeffrey Epstein who didn't kill himself. Well, and uh, well, why do Wexner I, is yeah. the owner of uh, Victoria's Secret and apparently sold um, uh, Epstein his mansion in um, New York City for a dollar. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, well, pretty that's, good deal. You know, I thought Jews were I thought Jews were good businessmen. That seems like a bad deal. Anyway, <laughs> uh, just just to mention that all the names that have been mentioned in the last five minutes are Jews. Now, no, you know, if it's if we were talking about Mexicans, it'd be a gang, right? And <laughs> you know, blacks or Mexicans, we'd be talking about gangs. And if we were talking about Italians, we'd be calling it the mafia, right? But if you're talking about Jews, it's just a coincidence, and you should ignore that. Right. So, Precisely, yes. Yeah. Right. So here's, here's this Samuel Pissar, Pissar, in 1971, in front of a, uh, a uh, joint committee in Congress uh, in a uh, special report. And this is what he had to say. He says... We are forming trans-ideological corporations. Repeat that. Trans-ideological corporations. The political leaders of the West, the political corporate leaders of the West, now this is in 1971, are forging partnerships with the individuals in the communist blocs, countries, either, these are oligarchs who ran the state and enterprises, these are the oligarchs, Russia, China, etc. They're forming relationships with uh, communist bloc countries. Uh, oh, I thought we had a Cold War going on. I thought we were all in fear of nuclear destruction, right? They're forming relationships with these uh, communist states and, and of state-owned enterprises. And we're going to come together to create the trans-ideological corporation, which is a merger. We want to, we want to have a merger called the trans-ideological corporations. An amalgamation of nations. An amalgamation of nations. Which essentially means by which they can achieve global governance. This would not be accomplished at a U.N. model. No, the U.N. is a bait and switch. 
you've all been looking at the United Nations, and they're over here building their whole corporate trans-ideological uh, governance system. This would, be a, uh, this would not be accomplished by a U.N. model, instead by using the structure of a college of corporations. It kind of seems to be echo of that movie Network and Ned Beatty talking about a college of corporations and companies and plantations and colonies, corporate colonies that exert global financial and economic governance to accomplish this ideolo our ideological agendas. This essentially renders them, the corporations, more powerful than any nation state. This corporate college model brings to an end to the nation state. Now, those, those statements were made in Congress in 1970s, and uh, that should sort of drop your jaw. Now, this, this is actually consistent with an interview with Norman Dodd, his last interview uh, with G. Ever Griffin in the interview uh, where they it was disclosed in the Carnegie, uh, Carnegie Mellon Foundation uh, papers that uh, this is what they were going to do. And this was actually told directly to Norman Dodd by that chairman of that foundation that that was the overall plan was to merge the east and the west, which has been done. Uh, we also have reference to a appearance of uh, Paul Warburg Jr. before Congress in 1952, 20 years before uh, Mr. Pisar makes his statement. Well, Warburg, Mr. Warburg Jr. in Congress in 1952, uh, the, this is during the McCarthy era, we will have one world government by conquest or consent. The choice is yours. Okay, and then we have all the dozens and dozens of references by Bush Sr. about a world government, a new world order. Well, uh, uh, they weren't kidding, and it's bipartisan. If you hadn't noticed, kids, it's bipartisan, and this new, this new corporate world governance that's unelected and operated by technocrats – like what's happening in uh, the Washington, D.C. and in uh, Brussels, a European Union that was brought, was built off the Morgan, uh, uh, the Marshall Plan. The Marshall Plan created the European Union. It was the foundation for it, and it creates the European Union Corporation. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh this is this is uh, this is how they can uh, express themselves without and having plausible deniability because NGOs, corp, NGO corporations, foundational corporations, um, uh, all these all these uh, things called corporations, which you think are private and are not, it's impossible to have a private corporation. It's an oxymoron. Okay. Because all corporations, in order that the fact that they can even be a corporation, are a public-private partnership. Because a corporation can't create itself. It has to have sanction from what's called the state. 
So, in fact, but the mere creation of one is a partnership. Well, that's a great point, Daryl. Uh, <laughs> that's one of those things that's just uh, and, it's so and, obvious, it's right in your face, you don't see it. Uh, that is very, yeah, very well, that's good the best point. place to hide something. Yes, yeah. yes. That's... <clears throat> so I kind of... I kind of unloaded there a little bit. I might have to <laughs> digest that one for a minute. Well, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, you know, hearing uh, this is a, a you said Paul Warburg Jr. Yeah, yeah. So that's obviously from the Warburg banking dynasty that uh, was involved in the founding of the Federal Reserve and involved in a lot of shenanigans. Yeah going back to uh, the early part of the uh, 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Paul Warburg Sr., uh, who was, uh, you know, in the, Rockef- or in the Rothschild-Rockefeller clique, he, uh, his son took over for him after he died, right? And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, the, the, the Warburgs are, you know, part and parcel, one of the primary foundational members of the, uh, of the Federal Reserve Act. You have to understand that Federal Reserve is a private banking uh, cabal, uh, a cartel, as has, uh, you know. Do, so, so what did 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 the U.S. Congress uh, did they they make a treaty with a private bank to run their money operations? Or oh, they made an agreement with a corporation. A corporation made another agreement with a corporation. Now, you understand that World War I could not have taken place unless the Federal Reserve Act was in place. None. Nothing. Zero. Nada. Nothing that's happened from a war and government tyranny and reorganization plan, corporate reorganization plan, could have taken place without the Federal Reserve Act in place. That had to be done first before. And after that happened... It was just a hot year later that World War One gets rolling. Yes, yes. Uh, without those magic shekels uh, that you can just uh, sort of print out of thin air, it's hard to come up with the funding necessary uh, to build all the weapons and pay for the weapons and to pay for the propaganda needed to uh, gin up people's bloodlust uh, for killing each other in a war. Uh, that was constructed by bankers. Well, well it's it's all about the debt. <laughs> it's all, all about the debt, you know. Uh, and they controlled the debt, and so that that the back of that has to be broken. And uh, so the uh, the IRS serves many purposes. And the Federal Reserve Act and Associated Collection Agency, the IRS, because uh, it keeps, um, you know, 99% of most Americans in line through fear, which has uh, been in, uh, instilled in most people. So uh, what we're dealing here with is Empire Incorporated. Uh, I, I tried to sort of come up with the – uh, a name for it because, you know, the World Economic Forum is just another front company, but uh, it's the amalgamation of the one world order, the one world governance. Uh, I don't know. You could call it the amalgamated Earth Corporation. <laughs> huh. you know, huh. if, if LLC. It was a bunch, if, 
if it was a Bugs Bunny, uh, <laughs> Bugs Bunny cartoon with Daffy Duck, it might be the uh, the the um, Acme Amalgamated Earth Corporation. Uh, but yeah, that's the, that's the what you're dealing Earth with. Corporation LLC. That has a nice ring to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it sort of just sort of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? And and of course, uh, when you're dealing with corporations, you can't. This circles back on the beginning of our conversation. Corporations never experience justice. As as um, uh, oh my goodness, uh, who was his name? Uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I have so much stuff floating around in my pea brain, I forget. Uh, you know, trying to connect. These dots, and of course, if you go back and listen, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about corporations. You find out, you know, that they they come out of Britain, and uh, that's that's really where the multinational and transnational corporation is founded uh, in the mid 1500s, and really gets rolling in the 1600s with its expansion uh, into uh, America with the colonies, and colonies were corporations. You call them plantations, colonies, whatever you want to call them. They were still corporations. They were they were public-private partnerships for the purpose of commerce, and not now, now the, the 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 Puritans or the the uh, uh, Calvinists. They might have came here, you know. Even the Catholics came here, and they they wanted religious freedom, but they they were still under a corporate charter. People don't understand that. They don't get it. So, uh, the uh, at the at the trial of Warren Hastings in uh, in in Britain in 1789, uh, Edmund Burke made the statement, and uh, Warren Hastings was the head of the British East India Company and had been charged with heinous crimes against the Indian people on the continent under rule of the British East India Corporation, where a million people are killed and starved and die uh, in, the 17, in the 1770s. He's brought to trial, and Edmund Burke at his trial in his opening statement, the opening statement took four days, by the way, man, uh, in his opening statement, he says uh, <clears throat> the first words he utters are, "Corporations have neither bodies to punish nor souls to condemn." Pause. They therefore do as they wish. That's pretty powerful. Well, that's. Uh Nothing's yeah. changed. That uh, that really sums it all up. Do without wilt. Uh, that's right out of uh, Alistair Crowley's uh, kind of philosophy. Uh, it's interesting to apply that to to corporations, and we're seeing the complete corporate takeover of every aspect of American life. You know, it's I, I've done some traveling recently. I've been to a, like I went to Phoenix and up to Oregon, and it's amazing. You go to a town. And you go to the center of town, you really could not tell. If I just took a photograph, if I didn't include any any you know cactuses or trees, you wouldn't be able to tell what town you're in because it's the same corporate 
businesses that dot and litter the the, uh, the street sides in every town. It, it's really amazing. It's oh. becoming uh, oh. u- uniform, very uniform. Oh, well, hold on. Uh, those towns that you traveled into, do you realize that those are corporations? Uh, yes. Yes, it's all the big corporation, little corporation, they're, and they're, giant corporation. Now, when when you're when you're inside on the on the fingers in the air here, you know, air quote. So near uh, when you're inside the the premises of a corporation, do you have free speech? Uh, absolutely not. Do do you have liberty or freedom? You if have, you're an employee. Uh, no, you don't. You have the if you're an rights given to you by okay. the corporation. Okay. okay. Now, actually, the the immunities, privileges, and grants and permissions of a corporation are written into their charter at their founding with the with the state. Now, interestingly enough, there are some corporations that, in their charter of their organization, they're prohibited from having free speech. <laughs> as, as silly, I, I like to point this 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 diametrical opposition out to people. What what would be a corporation that has received a charter from the United States government or state, which is just franchises of the U.S. government, and they receive their grant and they are prohibited from expressing free speech. Would you have any idea what kind of corporation that is, Dave? Well, no, not not off the top of my head. Why don't you uh, tell us what that is? Okay. It's called a 501c3 church. Uh, yes, yes. And 501c3 churches are prohibited from any uh, discourse, conversation, opinions, point of views, free speech, expressions that are contrary to public policy. The public policy of the corporation known as the United States. So these 501c3s are basically employees of, and, and they accept that because they receive a reward of mammon. And tax exemption for the salaries and properties of the 501c3 corporation church. Uh, it kind of sounds like an oxymoron, a corporation church. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? Yes. And do you happen to know if uh, synagogues uh, fall under that same um Status? I don't. If if there wouldn't, wouldn't that be an interesting study for one of our listeners to to dig into? Our synagogues five hundred ones. How many synagogues are five hundred one c threes? That's fascinating. That's a. That's why I like hanging out with you, Dave. That's yeah. why I like hanging out with you. That's good. Yeah, yeah because I I do believe they are able to talk politics in synagogues, uh, unlike yeah. um, uh, churches. Uh, you know. So interesting. Well, I, I I would think, yeah, I would think the churches would be jealous because, as far as I can tell, most of them are just uh, Gentile synagogues. 
know? Well, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Uh, it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. most of them are Zionist oriented. And, um, I've even seen, it was interesting there. If you study some of these mega churches there, there's a mega church in the Los Angeles area that is actually designed to look like King Solomon's temple. Uh, the, <laughs> so, uh, not, not across anywhere on the, on the property, but it's a church. It's got a star of David. Well, look, this, you know, that, I thought your guests, uh, your callers did a good job. They talked about, you know, Zionism and stuff. You know, there's a, you know, there is an un, unrebuttable book called The uh, Orientations. It was written by Sir Ronald Storrs, a British agent for the British Foreign Office, and for 25 years, he worked diligently every day creating, help create uh, um, Israel. And on the cover of his book, which I'm holding in my hand right now, an original issue, there is a, a uh, crescent moon, a star of David, and the cross. Wow. There you go. I, I got to get a hold of that book. Well, Daryl, another hour has flown by, and um, we're going to have to continue this conversation soon. I want to thank you for coming on, sir. My pleasure. Always. Okay. Support our Daryl and listening. Take care. And until next week, bye-bye. Don't trust anyone on the lone highway. On the lone highway. On the lone highway. One of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth.